Hey, welcome back to Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host Steve. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? And you know us, we're just a couple of goalies that have taken one too many pucks at the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. We mostly cover the NHL, but we'll also discuss other happenings around the hockey world. So be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let us know what you think. And also, be sure to comment and share any hockey news, highlights, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. Uh, so to start off today's podcast, Steve, we kind of wanted to, before we move into some local games we want to cover, we wanted to kind of talk ASU hockey because I think it's kind of surprising the hockey world. Well, okay. So the first thing I'll say is, you know, um, it's they're getting more coverage again. You know, sort of like the Coyotes, the the, the black sheep of hockey, right? The Sun True. Devils have a pretty good program, you know. And we we had we actually discussed this in a podcast. Uh, you know, you like the snow, but a lot of Canadians don't. And I was saying that. Besides having a good hockey program now, the thing, and you can get a free education like you can in Canada because there's no scholarships, is that ASU has a good hockey program and you get to play it in awesome weather. Like this is a yeah. time of year you're here. So there's huge draws to coming here. So when people, and I was watching their games against Wisconsin, you know, and people were shocked that ASU was starting to make Wisconsin look bad in the games. I, I wasn't shocked because I know about hockey here. Dario Lemieux's son came here, you know, for a short time, and now I think he's looking into golf more than he is hockey as a career path, you know. So they've got a good program, but, you know, um, Craig Morgan, who I've spoken with about hockey before, the local beat writer, great guy, has some great articles. So you do want to check him out on Twitter. I used to write for The Athletic, and then, you know, with budget cuts and all that stuff, he got cut. So I'm now um, subscribed to him directly. He writes great articles about the local hockey, uh, about the NHL. He always has the inside scoop. Um, from what I'm told, I'll have to ask Craig this afterwards, is I believe he was a goalie. So if he is and was, oh, shoot, Ted, we got to get him on this podcast because nothing like three goalies hammering away. But his latest article did point out the road trip from hell for ASU. 36 days they are going to be on the road. Thirty-six yeah, easy. days. Easy peasy. Thirty-six days, and to start their season right, um, it wasn't looking good for them. But it's not like they were playing slack teams. Like they went up against U of M twice, lost twice. The first game was just a shellacking. Second game's not bad. They dropped a three nothing loss, then uh, nodded on up with Michigan State, and it ended up in a tie. In the next game, they lost two nothing, but then against the Badgers. And they won eight five, and then three one, and then turned around the next next game, you know, and beat Notre Dame six three, and then the game after that losing four five. Um, so I didn't get to watch those games against Notre Dame. I heard about them. I got to watch that game because I think I uh, texted you about the game against Notre Dame. It was on. I, it was on some network. Yeah, so another friend of mine, he had watched, he, he was commenting on, you know, ASU is starting to kick some. And they got Penn State and Ohio State coming up, so. They've got two other hockey teams, um, especially Ohio State, um, you know, out of Columbus that, you know, is going to pose a challenge. But if they can pick up a couple other W's here, they're, they're gaining even more respect. So we'll talk more about them and we'll look, uh, you know, at them more in the future. But I just wanted to bring that up because they're they are up against yeah, and what's their what's their current uh, national ranking? Their their fact that the fact that ASU is ranked is astounding. But well, that's the thing is, what I'm having a hard time is it's so tough to find 
who's ranked and who's not, right? It's right. Because when they I think the Badgers were 15th overall is what I wanted to say when AAC was playing them, they were unranked. So okay. I tried to look it on up, and it's tough to tell. Um, you know, if I look at the ranking chart right now, but it doesn't have the right record down. It's got North Dakota's one, Boston College, Minnesota Duluth, right, Michigan State. You know, it's got all the teams ranked. It has Ohio at 10. It's, if this is correct, it's got Arizona, no, it's Arizona State, um, you know, at 15. So we'll see. You know, they've got Notre Dame at 20, and this could be correct. Um, you know, just they don't post their records, you know, really well. Right. right? So it's, it's not updated. And I think this is from NCAA.com, so I'm assuming this is right. But anyway, we'll we'll wait and see. You know, I'll try to get clarification on that. Maybe I'll throw some mail to Craig Morgan or somebody else on Twitter. But uh, you wanted to talk about the the Mustangs last game tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I kind of wanted to cover some. Uh, so honestly, uh, the, even before we jump into the Mustangs game, um, I kind of wanted to quickly touch on the games that I watched this weekend because, again, it's COVID can't really go anywhere so i'm watching a lot of hockey and whether that's on my hockey tv or espn plus uh which is pretty rare on espn plus i think there's things out there like flow hockey and college hockey and or college sports or something but and i've, I've i'm dumping sling tv here for hulu because i get a lot more access to sports that i want it's a little bit more pricier but i think at the end of the day it's worth it so let me start with arm prior versus carlton play so i watched this game uh the other night i think it was saturday night and so i just kind of wanted to touch on some things here number one there was no commentary so i didn't know who the hell was doing what uh and i really couldn't see the numbers so this is generic so hey carlton place arm prior if you know who you are Hit me up. I don't know who did what here, but I'm going to talk about it very briefly. On my hockey TV, I got to watch uh, Arm Prior take on Carlton Place in Carlton Place. And so to start off, terrible, terrible giveaway by Carlton Place defender uh, that led to the first goal for Arm Prior. That was a brutally ugly giveaway there. But honestly, Arm Prior took advantage of it and got the first goal, made it one nothing, And then really from there, a nice snipe shot for uh, Arm Prior to get, to get the second goal and put Arm Pryor up to nothing. And at that point, it's like, okay, well, Arm Pryor is about to take it to Carlton Place. Uh, this was not the case. The tables turned quite quickly. There was a backhand goal from Carlton Place to get the game within one and make it two to one. And then moving into the second period, there was a really nice pass play early in the second to tie the game for Carlton Place and make it two to two. From there, it didn't take long for Carlton Place to make it three to two. And then take another scrappy, and I call it scrappy because it was a scrappy goal for Carlton Place thereafter to put it up to 4-2. Then as, as you continue to watch, there was, a, again, a bad, bad giveaway by Arm Pryor that led to Carlton Place making uh, it the game 5-2. to And moving into that, there was actually a really, really beautiful play. So honestly, if you're the player that sent the puck from behind the net, for Carlton Place in this one, this is a beauty. This is one of those beauty goals. Really nice behind the net pass play. Put Carlton Place up by four and made the game 6-2. From there, Arm Pryor basically lost. That's what I'm going to call it. They lost a Carlton Place player, and it happens in hockey. I guess 
sometimes players turn invisible, and that's what happened to uh, the Carlton Place uh, eventual goal scorer for their seventh goal of the game. His arm prior just lost track of the kid, and he he made him pay for it and put him up seven to two. So they started to route them in their home arena. But really, Carlton Place gave up one more goal to Arm Prior to allow the game to be at least like seven to three. But the reason I bring this game up, I watched this whole game. My wife's from that area. She's from the Carlton. So Place. yeah, so is, so is my mother-in-law, and most of my family are from the Ottawa area as well. Right, it's awesome. And honestly, uh, for anyone listening here, we're going to bring on the owner and GM of the Empire Packers later this week on a podcast. So we're really excited about that. So definitely make sure you tune in because we're going to have, again, the, the GM and owner of Empire uh, tune in for us and, and have a whole podcast with us. So we're, we're super stoked about that. Honestly, Empire, Carlton Place, I don't know who owns Grandma, but after the game's over and... Again, I I don't have anything better to do. I stare out my window. But Grandma is standing where Armpar starts to exit the arena, or the ice, uh, not the arena. And Grandma's standing there without her mask on. Everyone else is wearing masks. Everyone else you've seen this entire video are wearing masks. Everybody. Grandma here, about 79 years old, is standing there. Like Honestly, if if you can't wear the mask right now, don't go out. Nobody called her out either, so shame on everyone who didn't call out Grandma. And none of the Arm Prior or Carlton Place players should be, or anybody else there in the arena, the staff making the coffee, or, or any of the other fans standing there, or any of the staff on any of the team should be exposed to someone who's not wearing a mask. If she can't physically wear a mask for some reason, she shouldn't be at the arena. But put on your mask, Grandma. Oh, that said, regardless, I know we wanted to jump into today's game, uh, as it is December 6th. 2020 uh, and the uh, USPHL Mustangs faced off against the USPHL uh, outliers here in Utah and got to watch this game live as well. Again, couldn't make it to the arena today for extenuating circumstances, but I have my hockey TV so that I can watch my team when I can't make it to the arena. Today's starter uh, in Ogden was again Troja, the uh, 20-year-old Croatian-Austrian. And then Utah, the Utah outlier starter was Colin Sadarom, who's a 19-year-old from Monticello, Minnesota. So that's how the game started. And then Daniel Falzer, the 19-year-old forward from Corfu, New York, scored a power play goal for Ogden to make the game 1-0. And I, I like bringing up Falzer because Ogden alluded to it when they signed him earlier this year when i saw the name falzer i immediately thought of emily falzer the u.s olympian and ex buffalo butte and i'm thinking okay this guy's this kid's got to be from new york and sure enough he's from new york and i guess they got to have the same hockey bloodline apparently hockey runs deep in the falzer family i don't know if they're related truthfully but maybe someone can tell me it would be interesting to see that um as uh again uh, he was able to bury the first goal for Ogden and give them. Well, the one thing I'll uh, tell you, though, about Ogden, though, on that play, that yeah. number three defenseman, man, he he's he does a he's pretty he's pretty good. Like I watched him in the last couple of games. Good puck moving defenseman. And that play, that goal was a result of his hustle, you know, him making the play on it. So I watched it and I'm like, there he is. You know, he was. There, okay, you're yeah. saying number three for for Ogden, right? Yeah, yeah, number three for Ogden. Yeah, watch this, watch this play. Good puck. I believe he's a defense. No, he's not a defenseman. He's a winger. 
Yeah, but yeah, he, but it's he, a, but that's Jake Mirror. Yeah, yeah, Mirror. Yeah. He does a good job though. He'll circle up like that's why I was you know apologize for that Mirror, but you'll you'll you do a good job like you'll circle up to the top of the circle, right? Almost like you know, you're, it's almost like deceiving that you'll, you'll circle up so high and you'll rotate with the, your defense down low. Um, but your your puck movement's really good because you create a lot out there. Like when you get it, you look, your head's up, you're skating around, you're skating around, your head's up, your head's up, your head's up. You hesitate, you fake, and you make stuff happen. And that's the way to do it. Like you pull that puck back, like you're gonna shoot, look, you know, freeze people up. You're doing a lot out there that give your team an opportunity. And on that goal, you know, he did a bunch of that and finally threw it towards the net for that little dirty rebound. And there's the goal. So that yeah, was that was a pretty heads up play. I like, I like watching him play. No, he's a talented player. It's it's fun watching him play. And then uh, as the game went on, um, it was actually uh, Alex Engen, the Alaskan, who put, I'm calling it an uncovered puck. Engen bears the uncovered puck over Soderholm to put Ogden up 2-0. Uh, it's just one of those pucks that just sat out there and nobody picked it up. So Alex just made him pay and, and put Ogden up 2-0 before. Really, I want to talk about, at this point, Ogden was up 2-0 over Utah. I was really impressed with Troja's saves on the um, the Washco slashing minor. And then they blocked the blocked pucks. There was a bunch of Mustangs that dropped to block the puck uh, heading towards Troja. But overall, like probably one of the most impressive power plays I've seen by Ogden in a while with between the blocked pucks and Troja's saves. He made a really pretty shoulder save, I think, during that series as well. But I just wanted to count that out because, again, or, or call that out, not count it out, just based off the fact that these guys really performed well during this power play and during this game. And you know, it reflects on the scoreboard at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that goal you were talking about, you said where it was laying around, you know, it was a nice little play in front of the net though, too. The guy lobs the puck at the net and that goal right there. Again, it was just nothing fancy. Guys got the puck, you know, guys at the puck at the point, lobs the puck at the net, right? Knowing right. there's going to be a rebound, but there's a guy already cutting there and he just deflects it or just chips it or does something to create another rebound. And poof, there's another guy already coming to the net, right? So well-executed play, you know, to to generate those rebound goals. So, hey, uh, Arizona Coyotes, if you're a uh, power play uh, specialist here, uh, you might want to watch this. <laughs> Pick up some pointers. You Seriously, know. though. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but that's half of it. As a goaltender, like an NHL goalie, you can, you're not going to see, you know, in these – smaller leagues like i was pointing out in the game before where there was so much movement with the puck you almost felt bad for the goalie but an nhl goalie they're okay with that right they're right they're at that level like throw it across ice a bazillion times as long as nobody's interfering with them they can see that puck they're over there reading it they're going to be in position for it but yeah. at any goalie what you can't handle is a puck coming towards a net that changes direction you have to make a quick reaction save and then a quick tap over to one side and somebody's wide open, it becomes a brilliant save to not, you know, to keep that out of the net. And that's is why I'm more of a fan. I love dirty goals. Right? Like a good a good They're important. Good... People underestimate them. When I call a goal dirty or garbage, it doesn't mean I think it's bad. I'm just thinking like this is the that wins you games though. No, it is. Garbage. And that, that's it. It's and it's you know, for a goalie, you call it a garbage goal because it's garbage because you don't have a, it's just, yeah. 
it's just everyone <laughs> sticks are in there there's a crowd and somebody carries it or they slide it on your pad or they shove it out of your glove it's a garbage yeah. goal yeah but those are the goals that win hockey games those yes, are the goals are. that in playoff hockey and this is what i don't understand right in the playoff they'll always say you know just get the puck at the net right don't do anything too fancy don't do anything too risky get the puck at the net because it's it's going to go in at some point yeah and it's not you know i'm never the advocate of shoot from anywhere right because there's annoying hockey fans when you get the power play set up in the end and right away they're like shoot and i'm like no there's nobody screening the goalie <laughs> you know and if he shot the puck right there he's going to hit three players no, don't shoot. Look for a good shot. You know, pick that good shot or pick it when just as players are coming into that play, lob it towards the net. But uh, yeah, I mean, Jet Arminen, the 19-year-old forward out of San Diego, California, uh, scored for Utah to pull within uh, one uh, and get Utah's first goal of the game. And that was right through Troja's five hole. You saw that goal? Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I don't, don't mean to ruin the rest of the game, but that was it for Utah. <laughs> you aren't lying so we'll do a quick synopsis but that was basically for utah so basically that was two to one and then falzer had a beauty of a pass to uh kate herrera the 17 year old american forward and that put ogden up three to one and here's where i disagree at that point the utah coaches pull Soderham after those three goals on 13 shots looking at those goals i don't unless the Utah coach was planning to kind of just ignite the team there to kind of pick their game up. And I don't agree with pulling Soderholm. I, it wasn't Soderholm's play. It was completely Utah's play. Cause honestly, you can't blame him on that third goal. Fawzer just said it to Herrera and Herrera lit it up. I want to stop that goal. That was a beautiful setup. Yeah. Well, but like I said, sometimes it's, it's tough to say, you know, as a coach, because the, you know, the, if you're watching your team not play good hockey, right, and you want to send a message, even if your goalie's playing well, sometimes they do it as a jab at the team saying, look, I'm not going to leave him in the net to be embarrassed to get back into this game. Because I've had a coach pull me before and then put me back in five minutes later after the team settled back down, right? Um, right. You know, I've seen that happen. And in this case right here, I, it's one of those tough ones, Chris, because – the team's not playing great. Um, I think the coach could feel that the game's starting to slip. Yeah. And unfortunately, the message never sunk in because they just they just called it. That was good night. No, so, and it's it, and that's why I'll quickly run over the rest of the game there. But you nailed it. That this is the end of the day for Utah because at that point, uh, Utah put in Rustam Kalazad, the 19-year-old out of Zelenograd, Russia. And that was just like with two minutes left in the first period, which I also disagree with the timing of the of the coach's decision there. But you move into the second period. Kate Herrera scored his second goal of the game shorthanded, and it was a softy by Colazad. It's one of those goals you watch as a goalie, and you're like, oh, that was horrible. And you're also glad it wasn't you because, you know, you've let them in yourself. And then uh, one other thing in that period, Utah scored a goal i would say in my opinion but it was called off by the referees but i watched it multiple times and it's kind of like ogden's defense launched utah's forward into their own into ogden's goalie and all things considered on that non-goal call 
I again the the referee gets paid to be a referee. They had a better view than I did on on my hockey TV. But if that puck was over the line, that puck should that goal should not have been called back. I think that was a that was a maybe a bad call by the refs, and Utah should have had that goal. But then moving into third period, Kate Herrera scores again and gets to Hattie and puts Ogden up five to one. And then you start to really feel it. You really, really start to feel it slip here. Michael Heller, the 19-year-old defenseman out of Mooresville, Pennsylvania, made it 6-1. to one, And you could just start falling apart. Alex Engen, the Alaskan, gets his second goal of the game and makes it 7-1. to one. And then really, I, I do want to give one shout-out then to Troja, who made a beautiful glove save late in the third. That was a pretty one. Uh, again, another that could be highlighted on the highlights for My Hockey TV. It doesn't have to all be goals. Could have been that, uh, that Troja glove save late in the third. And then you felt it coming with just about 11 seconds left in the game. Utah scored to make it uh, 7-2, to two, and that was it. But not a great game by Utah. Ogden really took it to him that game. I, I just think Ogden just outplayed Utah on multiple levels. Utah's a great team, but uh, they were just outplayed by Ogden. I don't know. You know, Teams are getting used to, I suppose, developing during this COVID time frame. So they just they just got outplayed by Ogden uh, this game, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seven and one. Yeah, there's not much else to say about that game, is there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, I think, Steve, this is a great place to wrap this one up. And uh, that's it for this uh, this podcast. This is Chris and Steve. Hey, have a good one, Hockey Vance. And we'll catch you next time.